Good morning, Lindsay Avenue. Good morning. Good to see everyone here today. Glad everybody's here. We have a large number of people who are absent and out today. That's why our numbers are a little down. They were big last week, and we're reverting back uh, to make sure the average stays about the same this week. But glad you're here, and glad that there are a number of people I know who are watching uh, by uh, video remotely. The topic I have this morning is before and after. Before and after. I think it's important uh, to think that we, there's a lot of change. You know, none of us, nothing really in our lives uh, is the same as it was yesterday or even years ago. Things that you may have, possessions that you've got, stuff that you have, it wears out. If you were to look at pictures of something from many years ago and today, it changes. For example, and sometimes it can change in as little as, as uh, you know, one day, right? Things change. Here's a picture of someone before coffee. <laughs> Not exactly a happy-looking character, right? But then give him some coffee and look what happens. Uh, I, I do happen to, uh, to love Elf. I think it's a really funny movie. Uh, if only we would all maintain that kind of a childlike outlook sometimes. Before and after coffee. Before the first day of school, which is pretty excited. I don't know about the little house that the little child's in. Before the first day of school, and then after the first day of school. You know, I've got 12 years of this before. You know, really, this is what my life is going to be like for the next 12 years? Uh, before makeup or aging, he doesn't look very happy in the first place. Well, when you know where he's going here in this next picture, maybe you understand why. Before makeup or aging, and then after, either that or maybe he knew he had to go back to school for a day. One of the two. This one I don't really kind of like. Before, first of all, I really want to know how on earth they got that dog to have the tongue out the side of this mouse. I've seen some, sometimes they're hanging out over here, but the mouse usually open and they're panting because they're hot. Uh, and that's kind of how I look, sitting around the house. You know, just the tongue hangs out on the side. Before and after. <laughs> Right? Before and after. Unfortunately, sometimes we run into this problem. Before and after. Oops. Uh, makes you wish you had something on the phone to keep it you know, safe from cracking and breaking. Uh, by the way, it's inside a glass screen protector over the top of it, about $5. Sometimes we'll do wonders. It breaks and your phone does not. So $5 glass, if you get 5 or $10 screen protector, can save you from a lot of money. I don't sell those. Before and after, or maybe like this, before. Who's that? <laughs> Who's that? Uh, we're looking over at it, he's right there in the back. Before and after. The only question I have, not that this is a big change, it looks like, but there seems to be less hair on, on the head of it, shorter haircut. <laughs> Shorter haircut, as opposed to, I'm going to change it this time, after, all right, after versus before. Yes, rumor has it that there's actually pictures of me with hair. Um, I, I can't explain what happened. Dad loves to show people that come into our house and point at it and say, that's actually Gene. When I went to the barber years ago, they actually had to thin the hair. Maybe they did a little too much of that. Little too much of that. Things do not stay the same before and after. We're not the same as we used to be. 
things in our lives are not the same as they used to be. I want us to look at the whole idea of before and after as a message this morning with what the Bible says about the way we used to be before. Pick up here with Ephesians 2, which was read a few moments ago, Pearl. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Speaking to us, and that's what Paul's doing right here, speaking to us. Paul says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The way you used to live, Paul says, was you were walking the walking dead. You were walking dead in your sins and trespasses. You were following the power that's at work in the world. We were living for Satan, the devil, and evil. Even if we were trying to be good, you know, not necessarily a mass murderer or something like that, we still were living in sin because of our own choices. And notice it says, among whom we all, these children of sons of disobedience, the children of disobedience, out there in the world today, Paul says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, of wrath like the rest of mankind. Every single one of us had lived out there in the world, children of disobedience, living against what God wants us to be by our own choices. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Galatians 5, this is actually the verses leading up to where we studied for the last quite a few weeks with the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> leading up to where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he says this, starting in Galatians 5, verse 19. The works of the flesh that we used to be living in, even if we didn't do every one of these, these are the broad category of things, the works of the flesh are evident. What are they? Sexual immorality, doing things you shouldn't be doing. Impurity, sensuality, focus on the experience, focus on the experience. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, that's a hard word for me to say. Strife and jealousy and enmity is anger and, and, and hateful feelings. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. If there's something left out, that's covered by things like these. So it doesn't have to be an exhaustive list. You could have gone on page after page listing other things that were works of the flesh, focused on things that we might have wanted to do, not caring what God might have wanted us to do. One thing about all of these is that they are focused on me. They're focused on the self. They're not focused at all on God, certainly, but they're not focused on helping other people. Now look what he says here. I warn you, when the apostle warns us to pay attention, right? I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's no, you know, kind of iffiness about that. It's not some of the people that do this won't inherit the kingdom of God, or they, they might not. He says they will not. 
people who are living in these works of the flesh, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, I really haven't run across anybody that focuses on all that, but they did then in terms of trying to get spirits or whatever to do things. Different forms of anger, strife, jealousy, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, causing trouble, envy, drunkenness, or just all these different things. People that do those kinds of things and continue to do them will not inherit the kingdom of God. How about James 4, 1 and 2? What he's writing to people who are God's children, he says, though, but what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Why are you guys fighting and arguing all the time? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You want it so bad, you might even murder. You covet, you want something, you cannot get it, so you find and quarrel. I'm still focusing, even though I'm supposed to be a child of God, on stuff that I want. Why does this other person have something I want? I should have that. There's no reason they should have it. And so either I try to get it when I can't, or I'm fighting and arguing all the time. That's what causes quarrels and fights. This is my passion, my desire for me coming out in the open and causing trouble among brothers and sisters or people who are not even followers of Jesus. A similar statement in Colossians 3, I'm picking out some things in verses 5 and then verses 6 through 8. Paul's talking about things that are earthly in you as opposed to heavenly. Things focus on yourself instead of less about focusing on God. Things that are earthly in you. Very similar list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Wanting something somebody else has so that you would even be tempted to take it away. Which is idolatry. If you are focused so much on something, if it is the end all of everything, you're worshiping that as opposed to God. Something else is higher than your need and desire for God, and that's idolatry. On account of these things, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. We don't hear much about the wrath of God anymore, do we? We don't. Uh, no matter what's involved, Love Wins was the title of a, a book that was published some years ago. Listen, I hope and pray that Love Wins. I really do. I have no desire, hope, or in any way satisfaction in thinking that there are some people headed for wrath. No, no, I don't know that. I don't know what Paul means. However, if that's true with him saying, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Other things we should avoid, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. There are a lot of behaviors that people are doing that we used to do, but notice that is the before. That's the before. We all once lived in these things. We all once lived in these things. Look at this one where we read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? People that are not living for God are not going to go home and live with God. Do not be deceived. Neither be sexually immoral, 
nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. None of these are exhaustive lists, but they have a lot of common things in them. No matter what's on the list, it's living for yourself, not living for God. Don't you know the people that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God? Look what he says next. And such were some of you. Some of the people in Corinth used to live like that. They might used to have been immoral. They might have been idolaters. They could have been adulterers. They could have been involved in all sorts of things. But Paul says some of you were people like that. What's meant by that? Well, there's this contrast. You used to be this, but you're not anymore. Whatever I used to be, I'm supposed to be different now. Remember, before, there needs to be an after. There needs to be an after. What does that after look like? Back to Ephesians 2, which is a great chapter. I have to watch myself or else I would be reading Ephesians 2 as a sermon most every week because it's such a nice, short, condensed whole idea of my problem and what God did for me. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Every single one of us were dead in those trespasses and sins, the bad behaviors. But God, being rich in mercy, I'm just kind of, the docs, you can, you can find it in the text. I'm just skipping ahead to some of the main things I want to emphasize here. God, being rich in mercy, has made us alive together with Christ. Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We, too, have been raised from the dead by dying to our old ways and living in baptism and being raised by God. Has made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with Him, with Jesus, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith. Lord, anything I can do, I was dead. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Dead people, contrary to TV shows, don't do anything. They don't. They're dead. Right? God, being rich in mercy, has made me, has made you, if you're a member of his family, alive together with Jesus. And he did that by grace through faith. A couple of other passages. Psalm 25, verse 7. This is the, the writer of Psalms here, almost certainly David, speaking to God. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. Rather, according to your steadfast love, remember me. Uh, I don't know about you, but you look back over your life, I hope a time where you might remember mistakes you made is a long time ago. Sometimes it seems that younger people make mistakes. They're still trying to learn. Right? I mean, they've got all sorts of changes going on in life, and sometimes people make mistakes. The writer here says, please don't remember me that way. Please don't remember the mistakes I made. Remember me instead by your love. I would also change this slightly to tell us, if you're a member of God's family, don't remember yourself with your past mistakes. If you're a member of God's family, regret about anything before you became a member of his family should not come to mind or not be dwelled. Doesn't matter. God has forgotten 
anything and everything that ever happened with you before you became a member of his family. Their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. Why am I going to focus on all that? Right? I've often wondered if you're praying to God over something he already forgave, is God up there in heaven going, what is Jim talking about? You know, I mean, sure, I, I, I don't know how God suggests, but that's what he said. Their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. I need to do my best to forget them as well and focus on tomorrow. Focus on tomorrow. And I say it. Remember not the former things, or consider the things of old. This is God speaking through the prophet. Behold, I am doing a new thing. There's so many things. I'm doing something new. Can be talking about the coming of Jesus. Can be talking about the restoration of the people in the land of Israel. Can be talking about you and me too. God speaking to the Jewish people. God speaking to the time of Jesus. God speaking to me personally in my life. I can take it that way. Gene, don't remember the former things or the things of old. Don't focus on the stuff you did that was wrong in the past. Because God's doing a new thing. What? He is recreating who Gene is. He's recreating who you are. Each morning there are new mercies. Our sins are forgiven if we're walking in the light and walking toward God. Don't remember the former things. Psalm 51, this is a great chapter where David is, is expressing his remorse for the sin with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. He says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Please, God, don't look at the sins. I know they're there. Wipe them out so that you can no longer see them. And it continues, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Why didn't David create a new heart within himself? He was dead in his trespasses and sins. God, being rich in mercy, saves us in the same way, even under the old covenant in the time of David. God is the one that would have to create a new heart and a right spirit within him. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. If you're a saved member of God's family, you should be joyful. It's the fruit of the Spirit. We can talk about it. My life should have be a life of joy. God has forgiven me. What can possibly really weigh me down with that truth being done? Back to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know, don't you know, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, who you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Can't live the way I used to. Can't put my body toward fleshly works, fleshly passions and things I want that might look like they're fun. Why? I am not my own. My body is no longer mine. It belongs to God. We have been bought with a price. A terribly expensive price was paid because of the choices I made. None of you had ever done anything wrong. That price would still have had to be paid for me. That puts it rather personal. Each of you could say the same thing. 
If no one else in this room, no one else in this city had ever sinned other than you, Jesus would still have come and died to save you. It has to be a change. Given that the price has been paid and that I'm no longer one of those people, a child of disobedience, but rather I'm a child of the promise, I'm a member of God's family, I'm one of God's children, has to be a change. Otherwise, I'm, I'm really not living in acknowledgement of that price that was paid for me. Can't live as you used to. So here you go. I would suggest to you that this is our lives. These are our lives without Jesus. We're broken. Every one of us is broken. You may not be broken the same way I am. I may not be broken the way you are. But a life without Jesus is a broken life. Jesus is fixing some of us. Members of this family are being fixed, renewed every day. Sure, if I go out today and I do something I shouldn't do, there's a baseball through the window. Right? There's a baseball through the window. Once I realize the window is broken, and I turn back to God and I pray and I ask to be forgiven. Windows good. That's my life. Think of the broken window. But before I become a member of God's family, when the window is broken, it stays broken. Another ball goes through the window. There's very little window left. And most of us were not members of God's family. The only difference between any of us is that. Even though we're all broken, God repairs members of his family each and every day as we turn to him. After. After. Focus on after. If anyone belongs to Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have gone. Everything is made new. How does someone belong to Christ? By believing Changing, fancy word for that is repenting, but changing your life and being baptized. Thorough gave a good lesson on that last week or the week before. Every time somebody becomes a member of God's family in the New Testament, they express their faith and they end up being baptized. A sign that I'm going to die to my old way of living, be raised to walk as a new person. That's where God wipes all the old away. He has made something Made something new. I want to beg you. If you have not done that, please do it today. God has asked all of us, when we hear the call, to come and be a new creation. If you're a member of His family and you've got a baseball that's gone through the window of your life, it's easy to fix. God's willing and able to fix it. It's not hard for Him at all. Come and express repentance, sorrow for what you've done. We'll pray. God will remember the broken window no more. Do you need to make something right with God today? If so, please God, as we stand this.